This is the Blackout Podcast. Welcome to the Blackout Podcast, where I get to talk to amazing people that do things they love, follow their passion, and I'm happy to have Troy here. I've been trying to get Troy on, but he's been traveling all over for his work. One of his jobs, actually. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so uh, first of all, thank you for having me today, man. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversations leading up to this, so I think this is a cool opportunity for both of us just to to talk. Um, But yeah, no, so for both jobs that I have, I'm really lucky. I've got a few, actually. My hands are in Many different pots, so to speak. <laughs> um, so I run, I run a business. I run a, a like sports supplement store. I'm really lucky that I manage that. Uh, so basically, anybody that's like seeking improvements in health in any capacity, improvements in athletic performance, um, that's something that's right up my alley. So to be able to work at that in a daily, like a work with that daily, it's it's really rewarding. Mm. Um, also, uh, for the past 13 years, I've been wrestling professionally. So that's really cool. Uh, I get the opportunity to travel. I've been to Europe, uh, all around Canada, parts of the States, things like that. And I also coach it too. So when guys want to get into wrestling, uh, around here at least, they come see me and we train them up and make sure that they're good to go. (laughs) I remember um, reaching out to you because first I saw Chiseled Patriot. I'm like, And then, you know, I like how the contrast between Troy and Chisel Patriot. Yeah. Uh, what made you decide that name and that character? Um, well, the American Patriot character was an easy one. Um, my goal was to be brought over to Europe and do those full-time tours for a while. And I've wanted that for years and years and years. Mm. And then eventually, it just kind of clicked to me one day. I was out funny enough fabric shopping for new gear and uh, i was with the guy that was making it for me who's another wrestler multi-talented um and i saw red white and blue fabric and i thought to myself you know what let's just do it I was like, <laughs> let's just try something entirely new let's just see where it goes yeah and it went very well it was yeah. uh, it was a very good impulse purchase um yeah <laughs> it was purchase. very very rewarding impulse purchase because that you know, stereotypical loud American, especially in foreign markets, it still, you know, it still works. And thank goodness that they elected Donald Trump. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That has kept me relevant for the past four years. So even though I'm kind of evolving the character away from just that mainly American sort of thing, that in the first place, um, that really worked for me. That really helped me broaden my horizons, literally, mm. to to be able to travel and work in different markets mm. because of how understandable it was when that curtain breaks the character, what it is immediately. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. So, do you, do you find it better for you as a wrestler that you have so much control over the character and its story? Yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, too, it's like if, if I was to work for a promotion mm. and they said, we'd like you to portray this character... Mm. I would be open to doing it, you know, depending on what it was. Mm. I mean, there's a few different things like, <laughs> you know, come on, just, just imagine like the worst thing you could ever be in the world. And it's like, well, if I have to go into a grocery store and people associate me with this character, it's like that might cause some issues <laughs> because there's still a bit of a disconnect. Like, yeah. for example, like if Alan Rickman walked into a grocery store, people aren't going to like, oh, God, it's Hans Gruber from Die Hard. He's yeah. going to kill us. Yeah. Like, no. But if a wrestler does, there's still kind of that like, oh, it's that asshole. <laughs> it's like, no, it's literally just a character. But sure. Bleh. You know what I mean? Like, 
So, yeah, I mean, uh, do I like having the control? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but is it something that's absolutely necessary? Not at all. Oh, okay. Not at all. I'm pretty flexible, man. Why did you decide 13 years ago, okay, do you know what? I'm going to go enter this squared circle and let people hit me for fun. Oh, man. Because <laughs> uh, it's I, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Oh, wow. Straight up. Like, all I've ever wanted to do is wrestle. You know, it's uh, it's just what I grew up loving. It's my passion. I'm totally into it. Mm. Um so yeah, when the time came, I turned 18. I was like, this is a very clear, like, I'm going to do this. Like, <laughs> there's nothing else that's going to happen, you know? Uh, some people are like, well, how would you make that decision? It's like, well, how couldn't I make that decision? <laughs> you know, what if I was like my age now, 31, and I hadn't done it? I'd be sitting here every day twiddling my thumbs thinking, oh, man, you know, what if I gave wrestling a go? Mm. What if? Mm. You don't need that. Yeah. You don't need a what if. <laughs> you know, if, if something makes you truly happy, try it. So um, what, was, what was your Wayne... Did you have someone like yourself coaching you back, training you back then? That's right, yeah. So the guy that was training back then was a wrestler uh, named Wildman Gary Williams. And he has a really nice pedigree of things that he's accomplished in his career. Um, I had watched him wrestle since I was a kid, so I knew exactly who he was. I knew his talent. He was one of my favorites, so I was like, this is super cool. And then he trained me, and I was like, well, or pardon me, he, he opened up a training facility, and I was like, there it is. That's It was almost serendipitous. I was mm -hmm. like, this time he's opening this up when I'm ready to, to take this plunge into this next chapter of my life. Mm -hmm. it, it would have been silly not to. Okay. Yeah. How long did you train with him for? Uh, for from him, I was training from January till May, so it was about a four to five month course. Um, and then I, you know, even till today, I still train myself in the ring and try new things. And but but with him, is about yeah, four to five months, and uh, before he determined that I was ready to proceed. Holy shit! Is that is that like is that the average time, or was it like super quick? Um, average. Uh, there's not really an average time. Um, some places. Less than reputable places will say, uh, they'll be like, oh yeah, six weeks is all you need. Come on, kid, you know, come in. Yeah. And then they're like counting 20, 46, like just to, to make money, essentially yeah, quick yeah, turnover yeah. rate, make money, and then put people in long before they're ready. Uh. Gary was just so deliberate about each thing that he taught. Mm. Um, he, he didn't so much make us do it a certain way to his same style, mm. but he had expectations based off what the industry would expect. Mm. Um, and fortunately for me, you know, most of the people in my, my training session were capable enough to meet that good pace. Uh, so, so luckily, you know, it was that quick. Mm. Um, there's been training sessions that for some people have been like six weeks. Some people have needed a couple years. Mm. Some people do it once and then get thrust into a show, which I don't necessarily agree with, but some people are just freak freaks of nature, you know? I mean? <laughs> so they, they, they're trained and they're ready to go. And, um, what are some of the basics people need to know before they enter the ring? Truthfully, um, it just helps to know what wrestling moves are. And it's so funny to say that because you suspect that somebody that was pursuing training would be familiar with, you know, my expectations that if you're going to be a wrestler, you, you, you're probably a wrestling fan in this day and age. And if you don't know every wrestling move, it's like just to see it, to know what it's called. It's mm -hmm. like, why not? <laughs> like, know, know the moves, dude. Like, like, have you never watched wrestling before? Like, come on. I'll be like, okay, so today we're going to do a sunset flip. What's a sunset flip? <laughs> Man, get out of the ring, dude. Are you kidding me? Like, have you never watched a wrestling match? Yeah. Like, I'm a nerd for wrestling. Like, when I was getting into it, it was like, I was like looking. This is before the days of YouTube, too. So, like... Mm. You know, not to date myself here, but 
you know, I'd like order like these Japanese tapes from the internet and like tape trading and stuff. Like I had a cool bridge where like YouTube came in as I was getting in, but mm. as a kid and stuff, it's like, yeah, like know all the moves, you know, but also like be somewhat physically capable to do stuff. Like, I'm not saying like you have to come in like Donovan Bailey level of athletics, but you know, come in and like be able to do push-ups and sit-ups and run without getting super winded. I don't think those expectations are too high. You know? <laughs> okay, wait. But then, um, talking of training, I'm just going to skip a little bit. Yeah, too. sure. And, and talk about Jeff. Like, when you see Jeff, uh, this wrestler that you train, he's like a lanky dude. You don't expect him to be able to do what he can do. So, how would you determine, like, uh, do you, once a person comes in, do you, are they paces you put them through to determine what they can do and yeah there are absolutely paces um with jeff ferguson that's his real name he wrestles as jeff james mm. he came to my school really young like he just turned 17 or 18 um so i was like okay that's relatable you know that's cool you know there's definitely paces that you have to put people through you have to determine their level of athleticism their mm. level of comfort mm. their capability to overcome the fear that's associated with a lot of these moves because they can be quite daunting to take right um so with jeff it was uh i, I would never say that he was difficult to train I, I, he was fine but um you know it was just a different style of training with jeff he um he had some certain blocks and stuff in his head that i had to kind of or blockages rather that i had to kind of work around and figure out a, a solution mm. for so you know, the training for me, it doesn't end like, you know, start when I walk in, start when I walk out. I'm always like thinking like, what could I do to potentiate growth for this person without necessarily making them uncomfortable, like to, to alleviate those anxieties, to alleviate those fears, mm. but still potentiate that growth. Because training school, I think your trainer should care about you. But, you know, back in the day, people would go to wrestling schools and, you know, the trainer would brutalize them to see how bad they really wanted it <laughs> and it's like in any other sport like that would not be accepted yeah. you know I, I agree with the idea of like putting people through paces intense athletic training mm. um things like that but like for example hulk hogan the biggest wrestling star of all time when he went to get trained his trainer hero matsuda broke his ankle on the first day what yeah dude he broke his ankle <laughs> and, and then like when hulk hogan came back three months later he's like oh he must really want it <laughs> And it's like, what kind of sociopathic, like, line of thinking is that? That's insane. That's like a brutal assault. You know what I mean? So I'm like, well, I'm not going to go down that path. Yeah. And some people modern day, like, they'll use it as an outlet for their own aggression to, to show their perceived toughness. It's like, well, you're not really tough if you beat up on somebody that isn't going to fight you back because you're like, oh, this is training, brother. You know, mm -hmm. like, that doesn't, that doesn't vibe with me either, mm -hmm. you know? Like people, if they mess something up, the other some trainers that will like chop them, like so that open-handed slap to the chest repeatedly, and it's like, how is that going to help them learn? How's that? That's just you being a dick, you know. Um, so for me, it's like as as laid back of an approach as possible, mm. while still being assertive and helping them grow without making them uncomfortable. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. I cool. mean, and plus, I saw Jeff doing his thing, whatever it is, you're yeah. training him, walks. Because, like, when Jeff, I remember before he even came out, the crowd lost their minds for this guy. Yeah. I'm like, who is this guy? And then I saw him perform, like, okay, okay, yeah. that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, and, and it's funny, like, sorry, I, I didn't even answer your original question yeah. fully. Um, But to, like, you see Jeff, and it's like, oh, you know, he's not necessarily, like, intimidating, you know. 
he's a, a taller guy, not so much muscle mass, like long red tights. You might think to him like, oh, I could probably take him. But he's a dynamic character. Mm. He's somebody that he's... I never thought I'd say this about Jeff just because his personality is so introverted and and awkward, maybe. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. Um, but he's just captivating. You know, he's captivating. People like... I think, like I said earlier to you, like there's that charming sort of awkwardness where it's mm. like, oh, come on, I hope you pull it off, kid. You know? <laughs> and I think that's what it is. It's like, oh, Jeff, like, you know, man, I just want to like buy you a balloon and put you on my shoulders. You know what I mean? Like, you're a, tra- you're, you know, you're a cute kid. Go, go on, Jeff, get him. You yeah. know? Like, yeah, 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 that's, yeah. that's the appeal to Jeff, I think, to kind of analyze his popularity. And then, so you, you have this training. What was your first match like? Our first actual match for a promotion. Mine? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was on, I remember the date. Mm. It was uh, May 20th, 2006. Holy smokes. Um, I wrestled a guy now with whom I've become really close friends. Um, back then we were cool and everything, but now we're just super tight because we've both been at this for so long. Mm. Uh, Marcus Burke. Um, he wasn't that. We Neither of us are our current names that we were back. But anyway, it was, it was, <laughs> it was very nerve-wracking. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it went about as well as a first performance for anything could have. Mm. I mean, if you have a week-long production of any type of play, well, the first night's probably going to have those bugs and glitches. Mm. But uh, overall, I was very satisfied, and I was proud, and I still am proud of that, you know? Mm. Um, but the nerves beforehand, I was like, oof, okay, well, here we go. Mm. And uh, But he was cool. He was really helpful, guided me through it, um, didn't take any liberties with me. And then we've kind of both he and I as, like, the new sort of locker room leaders, like the new the new guard, so to speak, we've made it kind of our mission to to take away that previous, like, you have to earn it if you want it. Like, well, let's let's give them a chance kind of thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So the young guys that come in that finish training that are, you know, have good personalities, we try to condition them. We try to help them. We try to, you know, make them grow and, and feel comfortable. And then let's see what they can become. Mm-hmm. And if it's nothing, well, okay, that's too bad, but we'll find something else for you. You know, so I, I think it's important to make wrestling more inclusive. Mm. There is a balance because wrestling is a business, right? So people pay money to see wrestling. Mm. That's a big thing for me. And that's the thing. The tickets for wrestling aren't cheap. No, exactly. <laughs> Straight so up. So thank you for letting us in that day because I remember we, we got in. I'm like, okay, so we, we drive, we park. And then the like the show is starting and last time. The line is already all the way back. Like there was a long, long, long line. Okay. So, so like, you know, I'm, I'm here and we got in. Yeah. And then we see how much people are paying to get. I'm thinking, holy yeah. smokes. Yeah, yeah wrestling yeah, exactly. isn't cheap. Well, I mean, and the thing is too, it's like, there's so many options for entertainment. You don't even have to leave home. You have Netflix, Hulu, YouTube, you know, TV. You can do anything. You can do anything. Mm. But people that still pay to come see wrestling, mm. I take that as the ultimate compliment because it's like you're paying to see this art because it captivates you. Mm. So while I do appreciate the inclusiveness of it that we are trying to you know, promote, at the same time, there also has to be that balance of, yeah. well, hang on a second. These ticket prices are not cheap. <laughs> So it still has to be the best product possible, Yeah, you know? So if somebody's not catching on after a while, it's like, okay, well, let's figure out what we can do with you to really make you shine, mm. even if it's in a non-wrestling capacity. Yeah, exactly. Like, I was going to ask, the, the, there was a lady that was the referee for the final match. Yes. She, she's great. Yeah, she's like, awesome. I, I, I know I should be watching the match, but I, she was, like, she was the person, she was like a character herself. Yeah. 
<laughs> they told it was the reason why she was the because I think she actually refereed two matches back to back. Yeah, I'm like wow, okay, yeah. She actually has a really cool story. Her name's Emily Parker, mm-hmm. and uh, she's a really close friend of mine now. But her father was a very close friend of mine as well, and he was a wrestling referee back in the day for like Atlantic Grand Prix wrestling, real action wrestling. So all these like incarnations of wrestling in the Maritimes in the past, mm. he had worked as a referee, a wrestling referee for like 20 years. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, Frank passed away in 2014 from cancer. And that was devastating, you know, for the community because mm. he was a nice dude. You know, he was a real, he was a character. He was like a very big personality and I miss him a lot. Mm. But then I, like one or two years later, Emily started refereeing. And now she's so competent and so good. And she was just in Ontario to do a show. So her oh, wow. she's she's expanding and it's like that's really exciting, yeah. you know. So it's funny that you should mention her because I agree. She's uh she's so reliable. Mm. She she asked me in particular, she's like, Do you have anything that like you need from the referees tonight? And I was like, I'm just deferring to your judgment. Yeah, I was like, you know, in this in this case, you're more competent than I am. Yeah. So please, yes, you know, do your thing. I was like, just be there for the like, the big matches that need that. Because the referee is an important role as well. I right? swear to God, so, people don't notice that thing. Like, but if the referee doesn't play their part well, if the referee and, bungs it up, yeah, dude, the match is gonna be shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah she was, she was great. Yeah. I mean, even when that heel won and she, it was her match, she was she was just great. Just she she was she's great. She is, yeah, big yeah. fan, yeah. Big um, fan. So and then and then you had that match, and <clears throat> do you remember the first time you actually traveled for a match? Oh, yeah. I mean, my first match, uh, the one that I just mentioned, was in Lamech, New Brunswick. So that was like a seven-hour drive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, drives aren't short, dude. You know, like there's there's lots of long drives. Um, Before... Actually, oh, uh, the the match you invited us to go go see, you did three matches before that one, um, where you went in New Brunswick, then Cape Breton. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) How many hours of driving is that? Yeah, I like. Uh, so let me do the math real quick. So six, yeah, 16, 16 hours. Yeah. And then you still had to be on that day. Oh yeah. <laughs> still had to train in the gym. Still had to make sure I get all my food in. You know, oh, man. it was yeah, logistics, brother. <laughs> it's a big part of it. It's overlooked, and and the thing is too, and I'll use this platform as an opportunity to to call everybody out. I'm only one of the few wrestlers in the Maritimes that has both their license and a vehicle. Mm. And it's like, if you're going to be a wrestler, get your fucking license. Wait, people, so how do they, do they like have friends drive them or what? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Calling you out right now. So if you're watching this and you think I'm talking about you, I am. <laughs> so, so you have a lot of people that are like, Troy, are you going to X match? I'm Absolutely. Like, <laughs> and you know what? Straight like I love them all, dude, but get a fucking car. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> But it like it's like a road trip with friends, right? And oh, it's, it's you know it's really nice. You know, uh, <laughs> promoters are cool. Like they know who my kind of click is, and like they'll book me in the car with the click, and then they'll like you know it, it's very nice. But you know, I wouldn't mind being in the passenger seat sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, that's true. Cause like, driving can be especially hmm, those long distances. Like, like, and then you show up at that show and. Um, I know you said for that show you actually had to script rights, right? Like for come the up with for the, story, the show yeah? that you attended. So yeah. there's an organization called Ultimate Championship Wrestling, and then there's the 
so UCW. Then there's UCW VIP. So the VIP was simply a, a pre-show portion of the main shows before mm. where young guys could get experience in one or two matches for that portion for people that paid extra for the VIP event. Yeah. Uh, and then late last year, the VIP, uh, the promoter actually of UCW decided to start running VIP exclusive events. So these young guys would actually have their entire own show to practice their art and, and not necessarily practice, but to, to express their artwork and, mm -hmm. and, and, and show what they can do. And I thought that's super cool because when I was breaking in, we didn't have anything like that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a really good opportunity for these guys to try their things and they'll come up with a bit. Do you mind if I do this? And I'm like, what? you know, sure. Like if it doesn't work, that's fine. You know, just, this is an, it's an opportunity for them to, to try things. And if it works out great, if not, well then don't do it again. You know, it's, it's really nice. I think it's uh it's a very cool thing. But yeah, I, I wrote for that show. So I kind of put everything together, uh, outlined my expectations, um, you know, provided the time that each match was going to go. And then the promoter of UCW, he, he set a certain set of parameters in which I'd have to work based off what he wanted. Mm. I'm okay with that, you know. Um, but that's that's a really cool new thing for me, too. It's not often that I get to direct, so to speak, an entire show mm. or produce an entire show. So I, I'm into it. You know, it's great. I... I think that it's uh, it's definitely something that I could see myself doing, and I hope they continue to use me in that capacity. No, it was a great like every single match there was great, and the one with the with the that started with the girls and then it became a mixed match. Yeah, that, that was great. That was yeah. that was great. That one caught me, and I like the whole Russia thing. Yeah, that, <laughs> that girl, she's actually russian by heritage from new york oh. um so she was just in for a couple events with us but she was fantastic mm. Ma masha slamovich mm. yeah she was really good so it was nice to have her there she has a lot of experience so she was able to lead the less experienced female worker through and uh, in fact actually she kind of led the whole match because even the guys she's more experienced in and you know, not to you know disparage anybody but she's the most competent at this point in time mm. so she was able to lead everybody through and and uh, make that match what it was, and I thought it was a good presentation. It was I was I was pleased with it. Yeah. It was great. It was great. I, you know what? I went there <clears throat> with no expectations, and I was like, oh, you know, it's great to see this thing. And I got there, and I left with, oh man, I need to go to the one. This one is in June. Um, there's there's a UCW VIP event in June, but then in May there's a UCW tour, and then the UCW VIP will be the the preliminary portion of the oh, event. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. That's the one with Booker T. And, that's and right, the... yeah. That's yeah. That's in Halifax on May 11th. So that'll be fun. That's a good Are one. You, you're not wrestling? Uh... I am, yeah. Oh, you're, you're wrestling oh, there? Yeah. yeah. Holy shit, I need to go to that one. Okay, yeah, man. 11th. Oh. Okay, wow. Uh, do, you know who, do you know who you're wrestling against? Not yet. Oh, okay. I actually was... Marcus Burke, the guy that I mentioned, he's now booking the main UCW shows. Oh. So I, I happened to just pop into his place the other night down in Moncton. And I was like, who who do I have on those shows? And he's like, I don't know. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, okay. So he knows, though. No, he doesn't. He's, he he's, doesn't. He's, he's, he has the whole show booked. And I was like, who do I have? He's like, well, you could have this person or this person. I was like, let me come up with something. I was like, because he's cool in the sense that like he knows my competence. Mm. So he'll kind of let me have that creative liberty. Mm. And if he has anything that needs to be worked into his parameters for the show, mm. then we'll alter it and come to an agreement. But oh. it, it, no promoter ever has to do that. But he just allows that concession based on uh, my experience, capability, and maybe a little part and due to our friendship. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Plus, you've known each other for years and years and years. Yeah, dude, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, that, that next one with Booker T, that's going to be a big one. That'll yeah. be super cool. 
2011. Okay. Yeah. Bombing the city. So um, here, here's one for you though. Uh, when a wrestler has been doing it for a while, and then you have a big match coming up, and it's one you feel, uh, you know, I've say it's for a title match, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, you feel you're at that point where you've kind of checked all the boxes and you deserve to win but yeah. the promoter or it's been determined that you're not going to win that match okay how, how do people handle that very differently um for me my only objective is that when people leave that show at the end of the night with regards to how they perceive me it's like he was memorable i want people to remember me when they leave and i just did a few events last weekend and there was no doubt in my mind mission accomplished mm. um when I'm the primary heel, the primary bad guy in a show, I will hands down be remembered as one of the highlights of the night. Mm. Um, you know, even if it's in a, a way that's unfavorable to me as a person and that's mm. fine. That's what I seek. Mm. Um, some people, however, take it very personally. Sometimes it's justified. Sometimes it's unjustified. Mm. Some people don't like to lose at all. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, why the fuck do you care? It's mm. not real. You know, it's, it's predetermined. Oh, sorry. If, if you've, if you're not aware, professional wrestling is predetermined entertainment. <laughs> so if I've just ruined your life, I apologize. But you'll be fine. So, you know, it, yeah, it, it's really varying depending on person and situation. Mm. Um, like WWE, that's the sort of thing that really matters there on the independent scene. Like if you're complaining because you haven't won a title, it's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut the fuck up if you're not like just go have a good match like it's a fucking like the title like it's important it's prestigious yada yada like i i understand that mm. but at the same time the focus should be on your performance you know if, oh well why didn't i win that match it's like who gives a shit mm. you know it's it's not going to there's no ranking system your envelope will be with the same amount of money at the end of the night if you've won or lost um but in, in terms of like building thing up, oh, I really felt like I should have won this big match. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's not really a big thing. Mm. Um, unless it was like they brought in another independent wrestler for a one show opportunity, promoted the match, and then they had him beat me, for example. In my head, I'd be like, well, that doesn't really make sense because he won't be back here. But if I win against this person of some he's some gone. notoriety, he's gone and that elevates my stock, so to speak. Mm. Excuse me. So that makes sense. Mm. But at the same time... <sighs> There's no sense in getting disappointed over it mm. because if you're winning or losing, all that matters is at the end of the night, you gave a great performance. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, there's different situations. Like I have cared before, but, um, you know, as I get older, it's just like, okay, well, long term, will this hurt me? No. And if I really feel like it does, I don't know. Based on my situation, I don't think one loss will ever have a major long lasting impact on my believability as a character. Mm. In my opinion, bad guys are supposed to lose, <laughs> you know, straight up, man. Bad. My favorite place to be on a card. If it's not the baby face, the good guy going over winning in the first match. Mm. So good guy winning first match. If I'm not there, I want to be the bad guy losing in the last match. <laughs> cause okay. like, cause at the end of the night that makes everybody happy. It's the most prestigious spot on the card. Mm. And if you're the heel in the main event, you all eyes on you. Mm. And I love the attention. <laughs> you know, I love it. I soak it up. I'm a sponge for it. 
So that's that's my ideal spot. Like, you know, baby face in the opener, cool and everything, but but heel in the main event, losing. Yeah, fuck me up, dude. That's what's up. <laughs> yeah, say fuck me up. Uh, uh, you put up a picture on Instagram of the Patriot getting drop kick in their face. How, when, I mean, you definitely must get injured. How do you... It, it all depends, man. Like, if I take a really hard shot or something like the face, head, chest, ow, that's it. That's all. You know what I mean? It just, it just hurts. Well, I'm hurt now. <laughs> like, that's that's about as deep as it goes. You know, it just, okay, I'm hurt now. Okay. If it's anything like, there's a major difference between being hurt and being injured, you know? Like, oh. being hurt, it's just like, I'm in just yeah, general yeah. discomfort gotcha, and gotcha, pain. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. It will go away. If you're injured, it requires medical attention. Mm, so, have you been injured? Oh, yeah. I've, I've had, like, pretty serious concussions that required medical attention. Uh, I broke my ankle in 2011, but knock on wood, oh, I won't affect the audio quality of this interview. But <laughs> imagine I'm knocking on the wood right now. <laughs> okay. um, I've been pretty lucky to get away relatively injury free. Mm. Um, am I hurt all the time? <laughs> but that's just the way she goes, brother. <laughs> so um, moving to something that we talked about that, um, I remember when you told me this, I was like, how? <laughs> um, where you feel being, at, you know, you're pretty much at the peak of physical, like where you want to be physically, lift, okay. take care of your body and also, but there are moments you say where you feel you're not where you want to be and you talk at the person in the mirror and yeah. you have those super, I'll just let you tell. Okay. Yeah. No, insecurity is very real, man. Um, for me personally, it's been something that's dominated my psyche for a very long time. Uh, you know, you can be at your peak physical fitness, you can feel great. And then the next day you wake up and you feel like shit. It's a weird body dysmorphia that I personally experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe wrestling wasn't the best industry to be in uh, as a result of that, but because like there's, there's constant judgment, um, it can come from a place of, I want you to improve. So in order to do that, you need to improve your physique dramatically. Let me help you. So that's one scenario where it's like, okay. Uh, there's another scenario where it's like, you look like shit and you're never going to get booked as a result. That is not helpful and that hurts. It, it all hurts. You know what I mean? Like all those, you know, words do hurt. Mm. Um, so wrestling can definitely put your insecurities and exploit them uh put your insecurities under a microscope and exploit them mm -hmm. um that's something that i've tried to get away from like with this new generation uh i have expectations of you know effort um if people seek me out for advice or effort i, I think if you're going to be on a show you should look like a professional wrestler now you don't need to be on steroids you don't need to be you know a bodybuilder but you should look like an athlete and that doesn't even necessarily meaning have a, a tone tight stomach and huge muscles and stuff but but looking somewhat threatening. For example, um, Big T, one of the wrestlers on that show that you attended, he's just literally a big guy in a kilt, you know, and he's not like super muscular, but it's like, oh yeah, he could hold his own. You know, that's his look. Great. Um, another guy in that show, in fact, his opponent in that match, Thad Howitt, the hairy guy, that's his thing. He's hairy, super hairy, the hairiest. <laughs> Dude, he's so fucking hairy. But he's also, like, he goes to the gym, he exercises, so he's just an athletic guy who happens to be coated in fur. Yeah. So it's like, that's an appearance. You know, that works. Yeah. He doesn't have to have a six-pack of abs. Um, 
in fact, I'm training a guy right now, and he he told me yesterday, he was like, since we started training, I dropped 50 pounds. Wow. And I was like, what the fuck? And, like, it didn't really hit me till later that night when I was in the gym myself. I was like, man, like, something I did dramatically changed this per- person's life in the better, mm. for the better. He was, like, 298 pounds. Now he's, like, 245. Wow. And it's like, that's fucking crazy. Mm. Um that's crazy like man like that's the type of encouragement that we should be doing as wrestlers like and he's a, he's a big dude too so you know like he he looks like he could handle himself and you know he's a straight up like farm boy so it's like you know he's got that kind of look that it works mm. um and you know some of my students like jeff or like kimba the the lion character like the cat he's real skinny so i was like well you need something you need a mask. You know, it's not like I'm saying you're hideous or anything, mm. but he does all these impressive flips and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And it's like, theoretically, should he be in the ring at that small size? No, but it's like, but you have something. And if you really want to, you can build on it. And, and until you do that, you'll be where you are. And that's okay. If that's what you want, it works. We can use you. Um, but insecurity is just something that's so, so, so perpetuated and made worse by wrestling. Mm. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean, like for myself right now, it's like I'm confident and I feel good with how I look. But at the same time, I can point out every one of my flaws. Some days I'm on top of the world. Some days I feel like shit. And it's so crazy that an appearance can do that to you, you know? Mm. isn't? It's just wild to me. How yeah. do you handle that? Um, there's There's different ways. I mean... Some days it just brings me down. Like I suffer from like pretty intense depression, uh, generalized anxiety disorder, paranoia, things like that. So if I can keep everything in check, I'll just, ah, today's just not a good body image day. And, you know, and then like move on and still just have that kind of cloud over my head. Um, other days I'll like punish myself, you know, like I won't eat as much as I should. Or if like I do, I like dread eating because I'm like this is making it worse, but in actuality it's making it better, but it's short term. It's kind of, it's hard to cope with. Mm. Um, it's not so much for body image issues like this, but you know, I have been known to, to self harm as well. Um, which is unfortunate. Um, but that's a coping mechanism that I'm working on putting to the side because it's really unhealthy. Right. Mm. So that's definitely, uh, that's kind of like, it, it just varies so much based on how I feel that day. If there's any other sort of, uh, extenuating circumstances that may, might make me act out in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, I try not to internalize it so much. That's really difficult. Mm-hmm. But by expressing myself to my partner or to a friend, it's uh, it's helpful just to be like, this is what I'm feeling. Mm. You know. And <clears throat> um, you mentioned your partner. How pos- I know you told me she's been a positive influence in your life. In, in what ways? <sighs> In what ways hasn't she been? She's she's (laughs) remarkable, man. She's good. Um, She understands that she just... Sometimes she'll investigate. She'll try to determine why I'm feeling these ways. Mm. um, Regardless of the situation, if it's a mental health thing, if it's a body image thing, if it's a dysmorphia, the list goes on. Sometimes she'll try to investigate. Sometimes she'll just say, what do you need? And sometimes it's, I don't know. Sometimes it's, well, here's what I'm thinking. And I just let it all out Mm -hmm. um she she's just very flexible she's very understanding she sees the efforts that i make through therapy medication everything like that so she's very reassuring Um, 
You know, and, and like anything, some days I'm just like, maybe I'd like to be left alone. She's like, are you sure that's what you really want? I'm like, yeah, that's fucking sure what I want. But in actuality, I'm just like, that's not what I want. So she almost knows a little bit more than I do kind of how to gauge my my responses and, and, and go based off that. And in the short term, I'm like, oh, this is frustrating. But in the long term, like the day later or so, I'm just like, you know me better than I know myself. Mm. And her patience. <laughs> Dude, patience of a saint. Mm. Like, if that were me, I would have been like, see ya. <laughs> like a long time ago, man. Long time ago. But no, she's, uh, yeah, understanding, patience, and an investigation. That's how I would sum up her her competence with dealing with my uh, my issues, for sure. And I know you guys. And love. Are- she loves. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so caring, and it's so genuine. And it's like, fuck, like, you know. I've had partners in the past that have been very genuine and caring, mm. but she's just so pointed with her her method like it's her intelligence has really not been matched um and that's again not to slate anybody that i've been with in the past because they're all great people uh despite what they might say about me Um, (laughs) but it but it's just she gets it i she gets it yeah so that's it really helps yeah no i mean i saw for just a few minutes where you could tell still she's an amazing person yeah um and with I know you two are now doing uh, CrossFit together. How's that? CrossFit's great. Um, It's entirely different from anything I've ever done. And and every type of physical training that I've ever done, it's all been like relatively self-directed, individual. uh, It's my time to sort of escape. With CrossFit, it's all community-based. It's all class-based. It's all working together. It's it's entirely different. Mm. Love it. It's (laughs) it's a great challenge. Um, There's only... (laughs) One night, though, like the workout was essentially based around everything at which I am not proficient. It was all of my weaknesses in one, and I was like the last one finishing it. <laughs> it's like as I was doing it, and everybody is looking at me. And, and you know, that's – they were supportive. It's yeah. a supportive community. It's a great community. Everybody there is so caring, so loving, and like they just want everybody to succeed. Mm. But for me in that moment, like, it, it was so anxiety-inducing, like – it was terrible. What what were what was the set? What was the set? In, what did the set involve? Oh, like the uh, the exercise. It was um, front squats. So you essentially have to clean the bar up to here. Front squats and like I have really bad mobility with my at, at this moment. Like strength, no problem. Not to like you know, uh, but that's just an over an honest assessment. Strength, no problem. Uh, endurance, no problem. Uh, flexibility, no problem for the most part. But this particular position right here that's something at which i'm not very proficient Mm. then there was skipping exercises again not something at which i'm very proficient (laughs) then there's a certain type of uh uh, setup it's called an ab mat setup so it's all about momentum and it's just so outside my wheelhouse Mm. i was just it was taking me a long time and having everybody watching even though they were like you know come on you got it brother Mm. i was just like i'm done i have to go (laughs) and you know like it's it's so funny to say that but in, in all seriousness, I went home and like I, I went to like a trance-like state, and my everything just took over. I was like, I have to go home right now. I have to go, and I went home and really fucked myself up, dude. You know what I mean? Like uh. I took that razor and went to town, mm. um, because those feelings of anxiety, inadequacy, and everything took over. Mm. Beth was like, "Is there anything from your workbooks from therapy that we can do to kind of like minimize this?" And it just wasn't an option at that time. Uh. So like driving home, it was like. I felt like I was intoxicated. Mm. It was so like, when you drive generally, you have essentially unconscious competence. 
Um, so you're good at it. You know what you're doing. You don't have to think about it. You just do. You check your blind spots. You turn on your, you just do it. That night, everything was very, I have to turn on my blinker. I have to do this. And, and then I got home and I was like, I have to do this. She was like, there's nothing else we can do. I was like, I'm sorry. And she, she accepted that. But um, something so simple like that caused mm. such great anxiety. Mm. Um, but that aside, CrossFit is one of the best decisions I ever made. It's, it's a remarkable thing. Um, now that I know to expect that sometimes, I think I'll have a better understanding of how to cope. Mm. Um, but it's just like looking back, I thought to myself, like, it's unreasonable that you would act like that. That's completely, a, mm. you know, an irrational emotion. But then I think to myself, well, no, like, you know, that that's 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 the causes a level of discomfort. So I can't detach from the emotionally like that. That's not healthy either. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I validated my emotions upon reflection. And I was like, no, like, it's understandable that you would feel uncomfortable, awkward, watched, judged. Mm. Um, so to dissociate from the emotions like that, that's also an unhealthy coping. Like, oh, that's silly. Why would you think that? Mm. Well, no, that's completely valid. Mm -hmm. But, um, but, but to answer your initial question, I love it. It's, uh, the community thing really works for me, man. Great. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable. Okay. I'm going to end it with this though. Uh, with the wrestling traveling, you have matches coming up. Uh, what, you know, what advice would you give to a young 18 year old at, once to get in the squared circle? Uh, my advice would be to prepare yourself physically, uh, prepare for condition, like with conditioning based exercises, depending on your body type, ectomorphic, endomorphic, do research and exercise in such a way that will help you either grow uh, and put on lean muscle or will help you lose body fat. It's unfortunate to say, prepare your body for what expectations of other people are, but that would be one of them. And another piece of advice that I'd give would be just, you know, be polite and don't expect polite behavior in return. Oh man, that one is hard. <laughs> that one is hard. <laughs> I just like, that's, that's what myself guys like Marcus Burke. Um, there's so many people around here that are trying to dispel that mm. negative association. Like, and, and even the older guys now, like, like Brody Steele and Mike Hughes, like, young guys that come in they're so polite and so it's like you know they have their expectations and i think that's based on what they've been conditioned to mm. but there's just such a changing of that negativity to positivity and young guys like myself and marcus and chip chambers and and kovey christ and like we're all just trying to to help the the industry grow from within and and make people alleviate these concerns and if they really want wrestling they'll work hard enough to do it so for that 18 year old that wants to break in just work really hard, um, expect not the best behavior, but know that there's people in the community that you can come to that really care and really want to see you succeed. And it's going to be a great community. And we're already building this beautiful community. Um, it's a really hyper-masculine industry, but now we're kind of addressing those things. So mm. as I'm sure you can imagine, five guys in a pickup truck driving down the highway talking about insecurities and, and hyper-masculinity uh, might be unusual, but it happens, dude. So, uh, you know, come in expecting the worst, but you'll get the best. Thank you very much, Roy. Oh, dude, thank you, man. Awesome. This is the Blackout Podcast.
Thanks for listening.